You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thanks for all of your patience. I know it's been a little while since I last uh, put out a podcast. Um, And in this one, I'm going to hopefully explain why. I want to explain some of the things I plan on doing and some of of the things I've been working on currently to hopefully explain what I've been doing with my time. I know it's not the most exciting format in the world, uh, what Nowhere to Run has become. It's sort of it really has always been kind of the diary of an evangelist. Um, I would always talk about the things that I was doing or the things that I wanted to do and the aftermath of the things that I did and that kind of thing. So um, so that's basically what this particular show is about. But I've got a lot of stuff to say that's been building up because I haven't done a podcast. And so much so that I had to put it on uh, something that I'm really getting into here is Mind Maps. Uh, it's an app that I have here for uh, uh, it's for a phone or a tablet. It's simple, mind free. But I got it because of my recent research, which I'll talk about later, about the Antichrist. And I kept getting all this uh, information, trying to track down all the things that were important about the Antichrist in terms of how you could know more about where he would come from and this kind of thing. That I just had it all in my head. I felt like I was just going to explode if I didn't you know, map it out somehow. And, um, after reading a book that was recommended to me by a friend, um, this, uh, which suggested mind maps as a way to do that, it really felt like I got a lot off my chest. So anyway, I'll talk about that. And I plan on doing a podcast over at Bible prophecy talk, uh, about that probably later today or later this week anyways. So let me just, uh, jump right in. But, but before I do, I guess I do want to clarify the the amount of pain I go through trying to figure out what to do with um with my life. I mean, uh, especially in regard to ministry stuff. I mean, I, I am constantly thinking about like what is the thing that will make the most impact. The last few months, I have changed my mind over and over again, especially because lately, when I make a decision about what I'm going to do with my time. It, it's it's a long term decision. It's going to be months or or years before whatever project is completed. So I really need to be sure that it's the best use of my time. And just for a million different reasons, I have flip-flopped all over the place about what I wanted to do with that time. Recently, I posted on Facebook that I had I had just pretty much finalized an idea for a documentary and wanted to put out some more ideas about, just in case, do you guys have any ideas about any documentaries I should do? And I got all these answers, and it just made me flip-flop again. Um, I had a few different ideas I was going to do in terms of documentaries, but I basically scrapped them all in favor of two other projects, which I will talk about here in a little bit, uh, and a little bit of a third. But the documentary projects I was wanting to do were mostly about apologetics, things like the age of the universe, uh, uh, the flood, this kind of thing. And one of the qualifications I wanted for a, a documentary is it has to be something that I think I have a unique but very true take on. In other words, something that nobody else could do or nobody else would do. How about that? Um, and, you know, a lot of the creation evolution stuff, it's it's being done. It's being done better than 
Um, anything that I would do, you really have to be in that discussion to to be able to produce something of, of high quality about that issue. So I leave that for the other people. But I do think that the age of the universe and the flood take, um, I think I have a unique take on that, something that is really, really rational and really biblical. And I thought it would be a good one to do, but I dropped it. Um, I do think it would be good in terms of evangelism. That's another qualification that I would like in a uh, documentary film is that it has to have an evangelism quality. And I think that that really does have uh, an evangelism quality, depending on how much you think apologetics, uh, how good, how relevant it is for evangelism, which I tend to think a lot. Um, the other documentaries were mostly prophecy related. I wanted to talk about the Gog Magog War and the modern pop prophecy culture about that issue in particular and to a lesser degree this sort of really uh, super anti-islam uh, take on everything in times in in the modern pop culture or pop prophecy world because i think that it, it could be an extremely dangerous position to take uh, and i was going to call that one the wars of antichrist because i think everybody uh, would agree that daniel um, 1136 and following is the Antichrist, but nobody's talking about how every you know country that he is conquering is a Muslim nation. We have to incorporate a Muslim conquering um, Antichrist into our eschatology. And I was reading uh, the book recently, the biblical the Mideast Beast by uh, Joel. Uh, what's his name anyway? Uh, his view on some of this stuff is is very. Uh, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's worth refuting, and I am considering something to that effect. But and I'll talk about that perhaps a little bit later. Why to or why not when I get into that section that is prophecy stuff today, because I've got a lot more to say about prophecy. And then the other documentary was about sleep paralysis, which is a documentary that I probably will end up uh, doing, and I'll explain a little bit more why once we get uh, to talking more about sleep paralysis. But where should we start? Um, I think the best place to start would be, let's talk about sleep paralysis. Some of the things I've been doing recently is a, is a three and perhaps the four-pronged approach to the sleep paralysis ministry. Me, many of you know um, StopSleepParalysis.org has been something that has been up for a long time. Uh, I've been doing stuff on sleep paralysis for since 2000 six probably and helping people that have sleep paralysis which is when you wake up you can't move there is a feeling a sense at the very least a sense of something evil in the room but it can get uh, extreme much much worse in terms of being uh, assaulted uh, physically and sexually by that presence and it can be a lot worse and a lot more scary and anybody that has experienced it knows what i'm talking about but uh, it's also something that i've seen hundreds of people um, uh, how to say uh, that don't deal with it anymore that we're dealing with it all the time and it's in a lot of victory with the sleep paralysis but not just in getting them to stop having sleep paralysis it is uh, as I've said many times the most fruitful of the ministries I think that I have out there uh, in terms of it takes people um, that are hurting and in various places of, of needing help and, and and that are completely converted that, that that begin to be great Christians and love the Lord and are you know really progressing it's just a one of the most fruitful ministries in that regard and so I, I've wanted to supercharge it for a while 
and recently have made steps uh, to supercharge it, one, one with three prongs, uh, the website, a coming book, and a survey, and the fourth prong uh, being the documentary, which is still a little further down the road because I need to do the others before I can uh, start work on the documentary. The website, it, you know, I've been working with a, uh, a listener who is uh, really good at uh, search engine optimization recently, and the reason is, is because... You know, if you're in, ever been into search engine optimization or link building or, or, or internet marketing, you, you you speak of conversions. You know, you get people to a page and you try to convert them <laughs> to to selling them. You know, whatever product is on that page. But but with the sleep paralysis website, it really does lead to actual conversions. If you can get them to the site and they're experiencing sleep paralysis, uh, I do think it is it's converting to say the the least. But I've been, it's a tough keyword. Uh, sleep paralysis is real tough. I've, um, you know, we've done a lot of research in what keywords are really, people are typing in and stuff like that, like sleep paralysis causes, sleep paralysis stories. One interesting one that I really want to, to rank really high, that, but I'm not, is sleep paralysis demon. Um, people are typing in that phrase and they're not getting this site. And a lot of the sites they are getting are from occult sources or just a lot of sources that, you know, maybe they're just very secular or whatnot. And I think that uh, what they really need is this website. So anyway, that's that's been one angle is trying to to work with um, work with him to try to figure out a way to to make the website more uh, visible online. And we're we're making steps in that regard. And I'm pretty pleased with where it's going. But it needs more. It needs more uh, links. That's a call. If anybody has a website, a blog, anything that they could help with, a link to stopsleepparalysis.org is really, really valuable to me. I mean, um, that's how Google works, is it looks for people that have linked to the site, and that's how, um, you know, that's how it judges whether your site is authoritative or not, is how many links it has. So if you have a site, I would really appreciate a link to stopsleepparalysis.org. Um, any, any, if you know anything about SEO, you could put the, a tag in there like sleep paralysis, you know, put the word demon in there somewhere, sleep paralysis demons or sleep paralysis causes stories or just sleep paralysis or just the website link. It doesn't really matter, but it will really help either way. Um, the other angle there is the book. Um, but before I can get to the book and talk about that, I need to talk about the sleep paralysis survey. Many of you know that, um, that, uh, I started a survey, Oh, I guess it was last year, might have been a year before that, um, where uh, uh, sleepsurvey.org, which was um, gathering data about people's experiences with sleep paralysis and also gathering data about their um, their life choices, such as how much and what types of occult activity, about their uh, history with their family and different things that were relevant uh, to the hypothesis that we had about sleep paralysis, and we got a lot of data, and that data is amazing. It's 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 groundbreaking stuff. But it, I've been sitting on it for a while because honestly, it's been so overwhelming. There there are I don't know how many, maybe a hundred, two hundred um, actual categories of, of of actual data points, plus over a thousand entries. So we're talking a lot of boxes in Excel, and and so it's basically insurmountable. I mean, if I'm doing anything at all, and right now time is a very critical thing for me, and I just, I get so daunted by like, that would take a lot of hours to do. But anyway, I am uh, finally moving forward on that. Um, I put out a thing on Facebook the other day asking if anybody could help with that. And my mother-in-law, uh, who um, uh, who has a lot of time at the moment, has volunteered to do it. 
and she's making a lot of progress. I don't know how many hours it's going to take. It's probably going to take 40, maybe even 50 straight hours before she's done. And I know it's not easy, but it's really helpful that it's somebody that I know because it's, it's real sensitive data and there's a lot of personal information in there. So it really worked out. Anyhow, once all that is done, that that's really the key to the book because it's going to be referenced. I really want to publish that data, which is, again, groundbreaking, groundbreaking stuff in the book. Uh, referenced a lot because it, it bolsters the case. The book, uh, I, I want the book to be, number one, I want it to be something that uh, will prove the case that uh, of the demonic nature and the spiritual cause of sleep paralysis. But I really would also like it to be a quick book that somebody can pick up and, and learn how to um, to stop having sleep paralysis, which which by its very nature will be evangelistic. But it's also going to be very practical. There's a lot of practical steps in, in, in stopping sleep paralysis, but it is obviously evan- evangelistic. But um, but in addition to that, I would like it also to be a case of, you know, the fact that this is a scientific thing. That now, of course, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that that scientists or anybody with with an extremely uh, a naturalistic worldview will ever, no matter what kind of data is presented to them, will ever believe in the supernatural. But again, I think that supernatural is probably a bad. Um, a bad word for this because I think that the spiritual world is the natural world. Um, we've just relegated it to the supernatural because we don't know enough about it or, or whatnot. But but those beings are as physical as us. They're just operating on different um, what you call dimensions or what however you want to uh, parse that. But but I do think it's a case that can be proven with anthropology. That is the the history of demons and what they uh, have been known to do and their their deceptive nature and all these di- different types of things that you can prove in terms of their nature. But also, nobody in the scientific community thinks that there's a, a cure for sleep paralysis. And here I have hard data that there is a cure for sleep paralysis, that it can be stopped and stopped for good. And all the testimonies of those people uh, are the same. So anyway, I've got a lot that I can show with the survey. There's so many different angles I could take. For example, I can show that the top 10% of all people that are experiencing sleep paralysis to the highest degree, that is, they're experiencing it the most, the most intense attacks, including things like sexual violation and, and, and frequency and all these different things, are the same people that have are the top 10% of the direct correlates, like you know, a cult, uh, different cult practitioner, or uh, perhaps we've got a, a section, if it's not a cult stuff that is actually triggered, it could be a family issue or whatever, in terms of their parents or grandparents either being involved heavily in the occult, and we have a way to determine that. Anyway, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So once that's done, I can start the book. What I'm going to do with the book, and the reason I want to do the book is for a few different reasons. Number one, I want to Get use it to to make a lot of controversy and to get on programs like Coast to Coast AM and and really get out there and do evangelism of a type that I know works. I know people, especially like people, listeners on Coast to Coast and so on, they're getting sleep paralysis. They call them shadow people, you know. And uh, and here this would be a groundbreaking thing because it's true. When when they'll hear me talk about this, they'll know that what I'm saying is true, not speculation. I have uh, I I can show this stuff, you know. Anyway, so that's one reason, but also because um, I think that, first of all, a book and searches on Amazon, there's a huge people, and I'm not going to charge a lot of this for this book. In fact, I'm going to give it away. Um, I'm going to blog every chapter that I write on the website, 
and the ebook e e is going to be, of course, for free on the website and everything else. But I just want it on Amazon because Amazon is it's like own search engine for some people that have sleep paralysis are just not going to find anything unless it's a book on Amazon or an audio book or whatever. So that's going to be uh, published on Amazon. Um, but also, here's the thing about it. I think I know more about sleep paralysis and have helped more people stop sleep paralysis than anyone in the world. I think that I'm in a unique position um, to to speak authoritatively on sleep paralysis. And so, and of course, uh, my friend and former roommate Mike Tater uh, also has been very instrumental in this ministry as well. And so we will be working closely with the uh, book and the and the information here too. But also my wife is becoming a fast and expert on sleep paralysis too, um, especially with a lot of the women that write in and, and have questions of, of um, more sensitive nature that I feel comfortable answering. Uh, she's been really good at helping in that regard. So, so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of us here trying to work on this particular project and, and I think that's all I really want to say. The documentary is something that would be down the road with that. But I do think that once the book is out, it can essentially write itself. The other area with, that I want to focus on is something that is really not popular. Um, that is prophecy. And it's not a popular topic for me to do. And to be honest, it's something that I have struggled with because I know that it's not popular with a lot of the listeners because I do have, you know, I'm not, uh, a lot of my listeners are pre-tribulational or have other views that I don't share. I hold the pre-wrath view of the rapture. And I know what it was like when I was a pre-tribulationalist, what it was like when I heard somebody talk about that stuff, I immediately turned them off like, oh, well, I can't trust that person because he's obviously got wrong about that. So, you know, I know what that, I know what that's like to to immediately disregard somebody because they don't hold to the pre-tribulational rapture um and and i understand that so so part of me is really got a lot of fear of man and and i've been struggling with that and thinking you know i really i really want to be able to to talk about this stuff more because it is such a strong thing in my heart there's almost nothing out there that i have more of a passion about than what is so plain in the scripture yet so few people um, know about it or, or talking about it. And, and the views that people are holding in the pop culture are untenable biblically, yet we hold them. It's, it's this, it's, and I'm not just talking about the rapture. I'm talking about so many things that have to do with the end times aren't even um, being discussed. And it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. You know, I've wargamed this whole thing in my mind. Like, what would happen if... We really were deceived about some of this stuff, and it's not good. It's it's terrible, and it's it's just a really strong thing I have in my heart, and I feel I should do it. I've always felt I should do it, but um, a few different reasons, you know, besides losing viewers and stuff like that. In fact, one of the reasons that I have I wanted to to get in a position where I could have a lower uh, cost of living and and get a a job, a part-time job, and, and, and try to make money on the side with other endeavors too, is so that I wouldn't be so dependent upon donations. That was a hard thing for me to do because it did seem to compromise what I was would, would do. And I, and I know a lot of good preachers and stuff, they don't know where the money comes in. Uh, and I think that they do that because it, it tends to, no matter how much you try to 
avoid it. It tends to affect what you say. And, and I started to feel that happening. I needed to be more independent, um, from it. And don't get me wrong. I still, I still need it to do the ministry stuff, but it's still, but it, but at least now I can feel like if nothing comes in, I can still get by and we can make it here, you know, and, and foods on the table and stuff, you know? So anyway, that was a big deal. But another reason I want to do it is I feel I have promoted wrong theories about the Antichrist in the past. Um, I think that the theories I had about the Antichrist in the past were very plausible. They are, from a, from a tactical perspective, they make perfect sense. This is how the Antichrist should come on the scene if you know if you have certain presuppositions that is to say that the antichrist will be uh trying to will come on the scene and try and, and get the whole world to worship him just because he is you know awesome or charismatic or can do miracles or something like that but that's not what the bible says about the antichrist and his rise to power the, the antichrist rise to power is involves completely um conquests and the own, and and its conquests of you know, they are, like I said, Muslim nations. And he seems to, whether he does or not, I don't know, but he seems to be presenting himself as the conquering Messiah that uh, Israel has always wanted. He seems to be actively trying to fulfill um, what they've always wanted, Ezekiel 38 and 39 and following the next eight, nine chapters. That's what their eschatology, that is Jewish eschatology, has always wanted. And it seems like the Antichrist is intentionally doing that. Um, and that is quite a bit different than everything else that I've said. So, so that's why to focus in on this stuff, some specific things, as I mentioned uh, about that, that I wanted to mention a few specific things. I've been working on the book of Daniel, I've restarted uh, the commentary on that. And I know people have said in the past that it's kind of dry. You know, I'm I'm giving a lot of different sides to the story, and I'm going into great detail when I could simply just be, you know, teaching it in an entertaining way. And I'm doing that intentionally. Basically, I, I'm I'm reading this as it, it may not translate to a podcast that well because I am essentially writing it as a commentary, a very detailed commentary. And I am because of that, I am dealing with a lot of the. Um, the questions and, op and oppositions to certain passages that aren't normally dealt with in a sermon. You know, um, usually in a sermon, somebody's going to just tell you what their view is, which is usually, let's say, correct, but they're not going to tell you that there's another side to that, and this is why they believe that, and this is why that's wrong. So it can get a little tedious in a commentary-type format. But the goal of the Daniel thing is to is to publish it in some format and just to have a comprehensive thing. Really, the goal of the Daniel thing is for me to learn it, because I feel like if I'm going to go any further in trying to figure out more about the Antichrist, I need to know Daniel really, really good. And so I need to go over it with a fine-tooth comb. And one of the things that I've found with Daniel is that I, and what I'm trying to do really hard, especially now with these next few chapters, is not taking anything for granted and double-checking everything, fact-checking everything. This last one that I did, I published uh, one maybe a few days ago, last week or whatever, on Daniel chapter 8. I mean, there was so much to double check on that and some stuff that I was quite surprised about. And, you know, going back, you know, these next few chapters in, in, in Daniel are very 
technical in terms of world history. You know, you got to know about different empires in the Greek Empire and the Persian Empire and the Roman Empires and and uh, a lot of details about each one of those empires because e even if you're trying to refute a commonly held belief, you still got to know that stuff better, uh, even if your particular view might not require all that knowledge and about history. So, but it, but in this case, it, it does in Daniel. So that's been hard to double check all those facts. It's taking a long time. This next one, Daniel 9, is going to be the hardest one I've ever done because I'm going to approach Daniel 9 in a way that is, uh, that's different. Um, but I need, I need to make absolutely sure I'm right about this. So I've been emailing people, uh, emailing scholars, you know, Hebrew people and, and reading, uh, technical papers and stuff on it to make sure that I am on the right page here with that. So, um, because I do have significant differences, uh, I, you know, with some of the general conservative stuff, which you can already see uh, some of the stuff I've posted about Daniel two and Daniel seven depart significantly from the major uh, conservative viewpoint on Daniel two and Daniel seven. But I also think that one could see that it is, uh, extremely, uh, consistent in the way it's interpreting scripture and I think that one could look at it and say that is a very valid interpretation of course I'm not I'm not pioneering any uh, new thoughts about this generally speaking uh, I'm I'm oftentimes you know, surprised to find that what I think is a new thing is actually a rather old thing that it's what the early church believed about it and uh, the, these kinds of things so I don't think I'm pioneering anything but I am perhaps popularizing some very uh, not so well-known ideas about it. I just posted a video, another prophecy leg uh, that I probably will do a little bit more of, and a podcast on Bible Prophecy Talk um, called Jimmy D. Young Debunked by Alan Kirshner. I did this, uh, Alan approached me about doing this. This was a video that Brandon House had posted, and we basically just played a few clips. Uh, Jimmy D. Young was talking about the pre-tribulational rapture, and we just basically riffed on it and talked a little bit about why that was wrong and what the you know what our view on that particular passage or that particular idea was. Um, and we probably will do a little bit more about that in the future. This is one of those things. I it really takes a lot for me to to do that because I know when I upload something like that, I'm going to alienate a lot of people. Um, and you know, I've already gotten a lot of comments like that. It's like, you know, I'm never going to listen to you again and da, 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 da. And that's, that's fine. But that's what I, ex I expected it to be a little worse actually. But, um, you know, I've actually got some very interesting threats too, from about this video from some people that you would know, and they are really, uh, interesting, but I don't want to go into it for, uh, legal reasons at the moment, but uh, I may go into it a little later, especially if it gets a little uh, worse. But I'll just say that, uh, I think that if I'm not being threatened, then I'm probably not uh, doing anything good. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going with anyway lately is if I put something out and I get absolutely no threats of lawsuits or anything, then I'm probably not doing what I should. Um, Anyway, so one one critique about it, and I do want to address one thing people said about this, is that I shouldn't have been um, putting Jimmy DeYoung in the kind of category of these other guys that I've debunked, you know, David Icke and Jordan Maxwell, Michael Sari, and all these guys. Don't put Jimmy DeYoung in that category. And I, I really wasn't. First of all, I titled it Jimmy DeYoung Debunked by Alan Kirshner, but, uh, but, and I did some debunking in there too, but I I really think that we dealt with it in a in a mature way, 
and it wasn't the kind of debunking. Of course, we don't have any fundamental problems with Jimmy DeYoung and his doctrine or whatever, and I don't think that that, was, that, w- that should be obvious to anybody. Uh, I understand where people are coming from with that, and um, all I can say is that I think it's time that I be a little bit more bold about my views about the rapture and start popularizing to, to whatever extent that I can the pre-wrath view because, again, as I said, I've war-gamed what happens if we don't get this right, and it's it's the great apostasy. And, of course, that word apostasy, I don't know, gets thrown around so much nowadays, I don't think anybody even knows what the actual word means. But it means a bunch of Christians or people that are calling themselves Christians that will cease, be, will, that will knowingly uh, reject Jesus Christ because of a threat of persecution. And that is to say that to get out of persecution, a great apostasy will happen. A large exodus of the church will happen because of uh, uh, the new worldwide persecution of Antichrist. And I don't think anybody really realizes that the idea that the church would see Antichrist has been the view of the church forever. I mean, nobody has thought that the church would not see the end. I mean, it wasn't until like last century that people started saying, oh, no, the church won't see the Antichrist. I mean, I'm talking about um, the people that thought that the church would or was living in the time of Antichrist would include Polycarp, Justin Martyr, uh, Irenaeus, Tertullian, Jerome, Luther, Calvin, Knox, Wycliffe, Matthew Henry. You know, George Mueller wrote, the scripture declares plainly that the Lord Jesus will not come until the apostasy shall have taken place and the man of sin shall have been revealed. As I detailed in the hour and a half video I did on the pre-wrath position available online called The Rapture Puzzle Solved with Matthew 24, that even pre-tribulational scholars have noted that there is no evidence of um, pre-tribulationalism in church history. The closest they can find is something that they have dubbed imminent intertribulationalism. That is the idea that the early church believed that they would see the wrath of Antichrist but not the wrath of God. What, what, what pre-tribulationalists will tell you, essentially, if they worded it like this, is that there is no evidence of pre-tribulationalism in church history, only pre-wrath. Um, so, though the, the articulation of pre-wrath has been a relatively recent phenomenon, the, the particular interpretation of Scripture is the oldest that we got. So, anyway, it's something I'm passionate about, but at the end of the day, I'm passionate about all these things that I've been talking about. The sleep paralysis thing, as I mentioned, is is something that needs to be supercharged because it is so effective uh, in terms of evangelism and just getting to hurting people. So that's kind of the evangelism wing of the future as I think I'm be- putting all my eggs in the sleep paralysis basket in terms of evangelism right now because, and, and it's hard for me to do because there's not a lot of fireworks and bang for the buck in the sleep paralysis project that I'm working on right now. I mean, analyzing data on an Excel spreadsheet and, and, and putting it on paper is about the the worst thing I can think of in terms of what I want to be doing. I want to be doing something out there that's going to be awesome and, you know, whatever. But at the same time, I know that if I, that if I stick to this and I go through with it, um, not only will it it, it, it be able to reach more and go further than anything else, but it's going to see more people than probably everything that I've done combined um, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So that is an important thing, and I've resolved after thinking about that over and over that that is the best use of, of my time right now uh, for evangelism. Similarly, I have decided that the best use of my time 
of the teaching ability or whatever it is that I have an ability to sort of research and, and explain things is uh, to, to focus it on the Bible, particularly on prophecy. As I mentioned, I'm in Daniel partly because I need to learn it for myself and learn all the details for myself. So I, I feel like I need to go through Daniel and learn what I can from that. And then after that, perhaps go on to some other passages and do other commentaries, like perhaps in Ezekiel 38 and 39, or uh, the book of Revelation, or some of the stuff in the Minor Prophets, or what have you. And I think in doing so, I need to I need to gather all this data that I'm learning, and then put it together, because as I mentioned, I think that the, the pieces will fit together, and they will lead to some really important information about the Antichrist. And so I just, I, I, I think part of me, it's because there is so few people doing it right now that it feels like if I don't do it, um, then it won't be done, or at least it won't be done for a long time. So, so anyway, that's where I'm at right now is that I feel I need to, to focus that in terms of the research and teaching idea. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to do videos in the meantime, short little videos. I always will do those as they, uh, as they come up and I get excited about one thing or another. And, of course, this doesn't include the ongoing stuff like the Christianity 101 DVDs, which I'm so excited about. I'm burning them as we speak, trying to keep up with the demand. Uh, of course, they are free, and if you want one, it's 8 gigabytes plus. I recently updated it to um, um, the best version yet of the Christianity 101 DVD. I send them all over the world. Uh, the list of countries is growing and growing of where I send them. And I'm just really excited about that project. It's just one that has stuck as as um, something that's always going to happen, I hope. Um, also, you know, the personal one-on-one -on -one stuff, the radio interview kind of thing. I'm going on a really big paranormal show. Uh, it's a terrestrial radio show at the uh, end of this month, and I'm excited about that. Also, um, you know, Revelations Radio Network, there are great new shows on there. Victor from Victor Story has started a podcast there called... As you go radio, and Tim uh, from Revelations Radio News is is running a few specials. He's running a, uh, a first by verse study of Romans. David Guzik right now on Revelations Radio Network Weekly. Um, so there's just a lot going on with that kind of stuff. And of course, what I would encourage everybody to be doing, uh, husbands especially, is ministry to our wives. I think that is should take out a chunk of our time as well. All right, so I think that is about all I wanted to say. I want to thank you for sitting through what probably wasn't the most exciting Nowhere to Run show ever, but uh, it was some stuff that I felt really, uh, I really wanted to, to say and to get out there. So if you want to keep up with everything that I was just talking about, the best way to do it is through the Chris White Everything feed, which is available on iTunes. Just type that into iTunes, or there's an RSS link on the, uh, the page, Nowhere to Run Radio. Um, so check it all out, and if you also want to to become a friend on Facebook, my Facebook address is facebook.com slash nowhere to run. I just started a apologetic series posting a few different things, uh, apologetics videos and some links to other things that may be of interest to you or to a friend or family member who uh, has some very good questions about uh, 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 those kinds of issues. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I've done for free at nowheretorunradio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. 
you can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time.